Welcome. Here we are, part 12. We've been mentored over these last 11 sessions and now the 12th. Our title for this series is Life Coach. And the Apostle Paul is our life coach. And the last book he wrote is the book of 2 Timothy. And if you have your Bibles, turn there. But this book contains a total of 15 life coach lessons, mentoring lessons that Paul gave to Timothy and by way of extension to us as well. And this morning we're going to consider the 12th life coach lesson, and it's summarized here, you can see it at the top of your outline, continue in what you have learned. I want you to think about the things that you have learned over your life. I mean, wow. That's hard to even comprehend. Robert Fulcom has written a book entitled, maybe you've read this, maybe you've heard of this book, All I Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten. This is such a great book. And let me just read for you some quotes of things that he learned in kindergarten. Share everything. Play fair. Don't hit people. Put things back where you found them. Clean up your own mess. Don't take things that aren't yours. Say you're sorry when you hurt somebody. Wash your hands before you eat. <laughs> Flush. Did you hear that, men? Flush. Men, did you hear that? Okay. Warm cookies and cold milk are good for you. Live a balanced life. Learn some and drink some and draw some and paint some and sing and dance and play and work every day some. Take a nap every afternoon, especially on Sundays. I added that part. When you go out into the world, watch for traffic, hold hands, and stick together. I mean, what would our lives be like if we just followed the things that we learned in kindergarten? Wow. Now, here's another deeper question. What would our lives be like if we followed everything we've learned in our Christian lives from the first day we were a Christian until now? I mean, what if we followed every sermon, every time we've read the Bible and we followed this? What if every book we've read, Christian book, every conference we've attended, wow, what would our lives be like? Hmm. Look at the life coach lesson again. Continue in what? you have learned. Continue means to keep on, to stay at it, to stay committed. In other words, continue in those convictions, in those truths, those principles that you've already learned. Now, now let me give you an observation. It, it's not easy to finish the Christian life well. It's just not. I think all of us know Christians who are no longer in the Christian race. We know Christians who've left their Christian marriage. We know Christians who've left their Christian family. We know Christians who've left, the, quote, the Christian church. We know Christians who've left Christian ministry. Wow. Not easy. The question is, you know, how do you finish the Christian life well? And guess what? Paul gives us the answer this morning the question is, will you continue in what you've already learned? Because you see, what you've already learned has brought you to this point, and you're finishing well right now. 
The question is, will you continue in what you've already learned, those convictions, those principles, those truths, or, watch this, will you by sw be swayed to try something new? Will you be swayed to try some new person that will take you off course? See, the, Christ the, 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 the key to finishing the Christian life well is not discovering something new. It's staying committed to something old. We're being mentored by the Apostle Paul. Some of us here are, are right now going, you know, I need something new. My life isn't. No, you don't. And this is the whole point of what Paul's saying. You don't need someone new or something new. You need someone old, and you need something old. Wow. That kind of goes in the face of the way our world operates. But this is the kingdom of God, and this is the Apostle Paul mentoring you and me this morning. So this morning, we're going to talk about two, two truths. Watch this, that you already know. You already know this. But here's the thing. If you will stay humble enough to stay committed to these two things, you will finish the Christian life well, guaranteed. Let's read about them. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. This is such a rich passage. And Paul says this. He says, you, however, you know all about. This is, see, all of us know about this. This is nothing new. You know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. The persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That is such a rich passage. <laughs> and what we want to do this morning is just give you two truths that if you continue in, will allow you to finish well. You already know this. The question is, will you stay on course or are you going to go out searching for something different? The first truth is this. Follow godly examples. Now, all of us know if we follow godly examples, we're going to finish the Christian life well. If we follow and start following godless examples, that is going to lead us off course. And Proverbs 13, 20, I just gave you this first because I think it summarizes the principle, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And let me give you a principle. God in his sovereign grace gives to all of us, doesn't matter your age, whether you're young, whether you're older, God gives us certain godly examples. Examples that if we follow in our life will guide us to finish well. And perhaps for you, it's different for everyone, but for you, maybe God sovereignly has given you amazing Christian parents as examples or grandparents or a godly relative, an aunt or uncle, 
or some godly example to follow. It could be a godly spouse, godly teacher, Christ-like friend or brother or sister, a godly pastor. You see, God provided for Timothy in Paul, and Paul is reminding Timothy of this very fact that God provided for Timothy, Paul. And God provides for you a Paul, a, a godly person. Now let's read about this again. Just look at verses 10 through 12 again. You, however, Paul says, you know about all my teaching, the way of life, my way of life, Timothy, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance. Paul is saying, Timothy, we've been together now 20 years serving the Lord together. And you know so much about my life, my purpose, my endurance, my persecutions and sufferings, the things that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured. And there's someone that you know about their lives intimately like this as well. See, God has brought you into proximity with someone where you've been able to view them through all sorts of stages in life. And, and, and you saw the Lord rescue, Paul says, you've seen the Lord rescue me from all those situations. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, you'll be persecuted. You've seen me persecuted. You've seen me in the midst of that, what my life is like. You see, Timothy had learned some very important things from the Apostle Paul, just like you have from someone else who was an Apostle Paul in your life. I mean, Timothy witnessed Paul being stoned on his first missionary journey there in, at Lystra in Acts chapter 14, 19 that he refers to here. Timothy traveled with Paul on his second missionary journey, read Acts 16 to 18, and so many other journeys. And Paul's point is, Timothy, you have me as an example. And you have someone as an example as well. Question, who is that person for you? That person is God's gift to you. And in, in the, the exhortation here, verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. There's certain ones that God has put along your path to teach you certain things that if you follow will help you finish well. And the first thing to identify in your mind is, I'm just asking you, who is that person or persons? The key to finishing well is not discovering someone new, it's to follow the godly example you, God's already provided. Continue what you've learned. Even Paul said that in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Hmm. And then the flip side is true also. You see, God also in his sovereign grace has also given us certain godless examples to avoid. Examples we are to reject at all costs if we are to finish the Christian life well. And even Paul talks about this in verse 13. He says, in the midst of him being an example, he says, while, other, or, while evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Wow. Paul's saying, Timothy, you've learned a lot about following Christ and many lessons from godless examples, evil men, imposters, deceivers. You see, the key to finishing the Christian life well is to learn from the negative examples as well. You've got to learn from the positive, but also the negative, because God has given 
us both of those like Paul is pointing out to Timothy right here. So my question for you is this. What godless examples are you to learn from that God has allowed you to be in proximity to? Things that you would never repeat because you saw that from their negative example. Even Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 6, now these things occurred as examples to keep you from setting your hearts on evil things as they did. Wow. And guess what? Those examples that are negative, those could also be a parent, a grandparent. It could be, unfortunately, a pastor, a Christian worker. It could be a number of individuals that God has allowed you to be in proximity to because he, in his grace, even through that difficulty, wants you to learn some truths that will guide you. And, and you have to be thinking about that, meditating on that, and understanding that. The key to finishing the Christian life well is learning not something new, but reminding yourself of something old. The lessons you've learned from the positive well as negative examples. Man, I think, boy, of so many positive, godly examples that God's given me, a mom and a dad, and the truths that I am to keep with me based on their example. I think of our previous senior pastor, Jake Bielig, who mentored me. Um, a John Bechtel, who has been a mentor to me. Uh, uh, many amazing missionaries that have just impacted my life deeply, deeply, deeply. Pastor Larry. Many have just been, and I'm to carry on. I'm not to look for something new. That doesn't mean you stop growing because God will bring in new mentors and examples, but make sure you're not forgetting what you've already learned from them. And then also, uh, there have been, wow, the lessons I've learned from people, husbands that have had moral failure, families that have broken, uh, that, you know, financial embezzlement and issues that I've been exposed to. As you know, I oversee all of our missions and just principles that are ingrained so deep in my life in, term, in terms of how I operate, lines I will never cross. Those things are there forever, I pray. And you see, Paul's exhortation to me to finish well as Mark, remember those things. <laughs> you don't need something new. You need to remember those things you've already learned. Wow. Even there, Hebrews 13, 7. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Wow. That's powerful. And again there in verse 14 where Paul says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned. That is a command. And it's in the present active imperative. It means continue. Stay at it. Don't forget this. Continue to put this into action in your life. Wow. This is what I'd like you to do at your tables right now. I want you to talk about this. I want you to identify who has been the number one godly example you're to follow and who has been the number one godless example you're to avoid. That is so important for your life if you want to finish well. Talk about that if you would at your tables. Okay, so what do you like if you meditate on God's word day and night? If you spend time in this book, what will your life be like? He is like, or she is like a tree planted by streams of water. Picture a tree 
planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does or she does prospers. Wow. All of us know the incredible fruitful life, the life-giving power that God's word gives. But my question for you is, have you kind of forgotten that? Are you going after something different right now? Something new that you think will fill the void within and somehow give you meaning and purpose? Beloved, it's not found on that rabbit trail. It's found in something old. The word of God, this book. And Paul is reminding Timothy of this very fact. If you want to finish the Christian life well, you've got to have your nose in this book every single day. Now, listen to what Paul says in verses uh, 14 to 17. He says, but as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you have learned it. Now, Paul is going to leave his example in Timothy's life, a godly example, and he's going to talk about something else that's the ultimate example. Verse 15, and how from infancy, he's bringing Timothy all the way back from how he was raised as a little boy, you have known, what does it say, the what? The holy scriptures, the word of God, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Then he says this amazing truth about the Bible. All scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful for teaching, for correcting, for rebuking, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God will be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul is saying, Timothy, this book will equip you for every good work. This book will help you finish the Christian life well. And let me give you a principle. <laughs> the greatest way to follow God's word is to make a resolute commitment to read God's word. If you want to follow God's word, it starts by making a commitment to reading God's word. Watch this daily. If you're not in this book daily, you're going to be drifting from God, following God, and that drifting will take you away from finishing the Christian life well. It's just that easy. It starts by saying, I am going to be a Christian who's going to read the Bible every single day. Now, there's a little statement I've put in your notes. You've probably heard this before. And let's read it out loud together. See, it says, if you give a man a fish. Can we, let's read it out loud. Here we go. If you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. Yeah. There needs to come a point, watch this, in every Christian's life where you learn, as a Christian, to ultimately feed yourself from the Word of God, where you're not dependent only on Pastor Mark or Larry, whoever's preaching, to give you a sermon. That's all right, but that's one feeding only once a week. That is not going to do it for your life. If you want to finish the Christian life well, you're, lead, you're living your life sermon to sermon. Let me tell you, that is not how God has designed the Christian life to be lived. That's to be part of it. But man does not live on bread alone, but on every word from the mouth of God. We need to be in the book every day. Um, reading God's word, watch this, leads to following God's word. Following God's word leads to finishing the Christian life well. There's no following God's word if you're not reading God's word. It's going to be short-lived and shallow at best. It all starts 
with reading personally the Word of God yourself, you and God. Um, you don't need something new. <laughs> you just need to be reminded of something old, which is this, the Word of God. Now, I want to give you eight reasons to continue to read your Bible every day. Because this is what really Paul is talking about right here. You know this, but you just need to be reminded of this. So here we go. Look, if you would. The first reason to read your Bible every day is the principle of distribution. Okay? Verse 15, Paul says this. He says, How from infancy, Timothy, you have known the Holy Scriptures. Now, Timothy knew the word, the Scriptures, from infancy. How? Because he had a mother named Eunice and a grandmother named Lois who taught him the word of God. First, 2 Timothy 1.5 talks about that. And the reason why Timothy heard the word of God is, watch this, because his mother and grandmother became distributors of God's word. And the reason they became distributors of God's word is because they meditated and they read God's word and therefore had it there to distribute. Now watch this. If you ever want to come to the point in your Christian life where you actually begin to give away God's word to others, you must read it to give it away. There's no such thing as a distributor of God's word who's not reading God's word daily. I mean, the most important thing you can give your kids or any friend or anyone in this world, the greatest gift you can give them is to pass on to them the word of God. And the only way you're going to be able to pass on to them a fresh word of God is if you are fresh in the word of God every single day of your life. Wow. This last uh, Friday, I received a, uh, a phone call from a gentleman who's a president of an organization, and, and he was just sharing with me some things that are going on in his life that are very difficult. He's going through the most difficult challenge he's ever faced. And, and as, I, I, as I was talking to him, I just said, you know, let me give it, you know, this morning I was reading. I'm reading through the book of Psalms right now, and I was in Psalm 138, verse 8, and I said, let me give you this scripture as a gift to you. And I said, this is what Psalm 138, 8 says. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. And I said, David wrote that psalm. And isn't that beautiful? The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. God, yes, has an agenda for the world, but he also has a purpose for you, and the Lord will fulfill that in your life. And you could, he just, he was crying on the other end. He's like, Mark, you can't, you don't know what that's like that you just shared that with me. You see, the reason I was able to distribute God's word is not because I'm a pastor. It's simply because I read my Bible. <laughs> if you read the Bible, you will be amazed at how God will have you distribute what you read that day and arrange divine appointments. If you ever want to get to that point in your life where you're actually giving away the Word of God constantly, you've got to be in the Word of God constantly. Yeah, it's great you can pass on something you learn from a sermon to someone, but that's secondhand. God wants you and Him to be like this, where you are hearing fresh from Him and then you pass on what you're reading, okay? Second reason why you read your Bible is for knowledge. Verse 15, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures. If there's anything that we should know, 
that we should have knowledge about, it is the Bible. Every Christian, every Christian should know and be growing in their knowledge of the Bible. You want to know the easiest way to grow in your knowledge of the Bible is not taking a course, not going to seminary, just reading the Bible. I've learned way more about the Bible. I have a, a bachelor's, a master's, and a doctorate in the Bible. But I've learned much more about the Bible by just reading it and allowing God to teach me. And the same will be true for you. I'm not putting that others down. It all works together. I'm just saying, if I had the choice between reading the Bible or getting all my degrees, I'd take reading the Bible any day. The Word of God is so awesome. And the way you gain a knowledge of the Bible is you read it. It's line upon line, precept upon precept, being in it every single day. Um, have you ever said, man, I just, I, I just wish I knew the Bible better? All you have to do is read it. And you'll be amazed at how God will arrange people in your life and talking to them for moments. It, it, it's crazy. And answers that you need and are asking. You know, remember one day we're going to go to heaven, Okay. We're going to go to heaven, and we're going to be meeting people. I can just picture you walking around the corner and bumping into someone, and, and they're like, oh, how you doing? And you're introducing yourself. Let's say your name is Jack. How you doing? I'm Jack. What's your name? And the guy says, oh, I'm Obadiah. Oh, great, great to meet you. And he's going to say, Obadiah's going to say, so what did you do while on earth? And you start to, well, I went to three crosses and all this, and, and the Lord bled me, and he's going, man, that's incredible. And then you're going to say, so Obadiah, what did you do? And he's going, I mean, you never read my book? You didn't read my book? It's going to be kind of embarrassing. Now, you want to read your Bible not just to be embarrassed, so you so avoid embarrassment in heaven, but so that you can gain knowledge right now. All right, being kind of fun there. Another reason to read the Bible is for wisdom. Verse 15, all script, or it says, you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise. Wisdom, you see, is God's perspective on life. Wisdom is skillful living as a mom, as a dad. As a Christian, it gives you skills. Wisdom comes from reading the Bible. Now, God created the human mind in, a, in an amazing way. There are over 10 billion cells in the human brain. The majority of those cells, science has proven, is used for memory. It's hard for us to believe this, but scientists have proven as fact that everything that the brain receives, it retains. The passing of time just makes the information harder to recall. But all that information we expose our mind to is there. It's stored in our brain in its totality. We never forget anything. We just are unable to recall it. The Word of God has an absolute profound effect on you, giving you wisdom for living, even when you're unable to recall it. It's there working its way through your life. When I first became a Christian, I was so not uh, college-bound, you would not believe it. I never dreamed I'd be a pastor. I never thought I'd be kind of white-collar. I, I, I knew what I was doing, and I was going to be a contractor and all this. I, there, I began reading the Bible. It was hard for me to understand it. It didn't matter. The Bible says, I'm to read it. I read it, discipline my life to read it. And you push through, and now, you know, 20, 30 years later, we read what science says. The Word of God has a profound impact on your life, even though you don't maybe understand it at times. Difficult for you to fully comprehend. 
The word of God will cleanse you and give you wisdom and insight. As a matter of fact, I love what Psalm 119 verse 99 says, I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. Your teachers may have more knowledge than you, but you'll have a hundred times more wisdom than them because you meditate on the word of God. Another reason to read the Bible, salvation. Verse 15 says, You've known the Holy Scriptures that are able to make you wise for salvation. Now, we're saved by one way, by grace through faith. But as we read the Bible, you see, we grow in our understanding of God. We grow in our understanding of the gospel. We grow in our understanding of our own sin. And all that God uses to break our heart and to show us his grace and draw us unto himself. That's why for a non-Christian, the greatest thing you can give them is the Bible and say, just read the Bible. The Bible will do everything else in their lives. Psalm, uh, or First uh, Peter 1, 23 says, for you have been born again, not a perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. We are saved by grace through faith, but through the Bible. The Bible is the mechanism that God uses to trigger and, and to move us and to reveal God and the gospel and, oh, powerful. Another reason to read the Bible is faith. Holy Scriptures, able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Faith is like a muscle. And the more you exercise a muscle, the bigger it gets. The more we read the Bible, the stronger our faith becomes. That's what Romans 10, 17 says. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. The more you read the Bible, the greater your faith becomes. If you're a husband here, let me just tell you, what wives love in a husband is a man who has faith. If you're not in this book, you're not going to have faith. Your kids need to see a dad who has faith in Jesus Christ, and that comes through the word of God. You think you're going to conjure up faith on your own? It takes risks to have faith. You become a man of God who leads your family when you're in this book. If you're not in this book, you're going to blend in. And guess what? You're not going to finish well. You're going to struggle. You won't be living by faith. That's just, it's, it's so basic and elementary to even say it is like, should I waste the time saying that? It's so basic, but it's like this is all what Paul is trying to remind Timothy of. It's so basic but so important to read God's word. Another reason to read the word is inspiration. Verse 16, all scripture is God-breathed. Now, notice, not some, but all scripture. And that word, scripture, is graphe. That means everything that's written, all 66 books, everything that's written is inspired or God-breathed. From the phrase God-breathed, we get the term inspiration. It's theonustos in the Greek. It's a compound word, theos, meaning God, and then pneuma, or nustos meaning breathe. So the Bible, you see, is commentating on itself right here. The Bible is saying of itself that it is breathed by God, that is inspired. Not inspiration like Shakespeare. Shakespeare was an amazing, uh, an inspirational author. That's not what inspiration means. Inspiration, watch this, is how we received our Bible. Let me illustrate it this way. When the 40 authors of Scripture, okay, over a period of 1,500 years, wrote the Bible, 40 different authors. God used their personality. God used their vocabulary. But the Holy Spirit oversaw the entire writing process. 
so that the human authors wrote exactly what God wanted them to write so that their writing was accurate, trustworthy, and reliable. It was inspired. That's what inspiration means. Every single word, all graphe, anything written in this book, the Bible, all 66 books, is inspired, breathed out by God. Think of it this way. Revelation is the product. Revelation is all 66 books, the revelation of God. Inspiration is the process. This is the word of God, but the way we got it is through inspiration, the Holy Spirit leading all the writers to write exactly what God wanted them to write. That's inspiration. Second uh, uh, Peter 1, 20 to 21 also describes it. Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture, okay, right here, this is a prophecy of Scripture, came about by the prophet's own interpretation. For prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God and wrote from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is a supernatural book. It's come to us by way of inspiration. It's God-breathed. So when we read the Bible today, why should we read the Bible? This is the inspired, breathed Word of God. It is alive. It's a book unlike anything else in all the history of mankind and womankind. Hebrews 4, 12 to 13. For, every, for the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Wow. There is no book in the world that you could write that scripture about and say, wow, this book does this. Only the Bible is alive and accomplishes those things. That's why we should read it. Another reason we read the Bible is for righteousness. Verse 16 says, right there, all scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful for what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in what? What does it say? In righteousness. So when we read the Bible, when I, when I read the Bible tomorrow morning, I'll be reading in my quiet time, the Bible is going to rebuke me, it's going to teach me, it's going to correct me, and it's going to train me in what? For what purpose? For righteousness. What's that? What is righteousness, Mark? Rightness. Rightness. See, when we read the Bible, it teaches us, rebukes us, and trains us in rightness to be the right husband God's called me to be, to be the right dad, to be the right wife, to be a right citizen, to be a right pastor, to be a right worker. The Word of God will lead you in righteous ways. That's what the Word does in our lives as we read it. And Paul's saying, Timothy, you don't need something new. Just absolutely be committed to the inspired Word of God, and it will lead you, it will direct you, it will speak to you. Another reason why we should read the Bible is to be equipped. Verse 17 says, so that the man of God or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. When we read the Bible, it thoroughly equips us, completely repairs us, fully mends us, totally rebuilds us so that we can carry on any good work God calls us to. This Bible will thoroughly remake a man because I am that man into a loving husband. I was not that, but God's word has been shaping me over the years and it continues to. Every time I read the Bible, I become a better husband. I become a better daddy. I become the man God wants, a better leader, a better pastor. This book will equip you. Whether you're young or old, it doesn't matter. 
It'll equip you to be a respectful wife, a caring friend, a diligent worker, an effective Christian, a great citizen. So eight reasons Paul gives us to read the Bible. Paul's saying, Timothy, you want to finish well. You don't need something old or you don't need something new. You need to stay committed to what is old, the word of God. And the way you follow God's word is you by reading it. You read it and following comes. Sermons are great. And you should receive them, but they will never replace the reading of God's Word. Now, what I do, I read two chapters in the Old Testament every day, two chapters in the New Testament every day. What I share with you, uh, that's me, my, hey, not, our plan before God is between us and God. But I challenge everyone that I mentor, encourage, read one chapter in the Bible every day would be my encouragement to you. If you're like, Pastor, I'd really like to know how to have a quiet time, just in the back there, you can get my DVD, the time that will change your life. And I go into great detail in the personal way that I approach my quiet time. And you can pick that up. I've just given you eight reasons why you should read the, read the Bible, but I haven't told you really how I go about it. If you're interested in that, you can get that DVD. Okay, this is what I'd like you to talk about at your tables. Why is it important to read God's Word daily? For you, why is it important? Talk about that. Okay, let me wrap this up. We have a mentor. His name's the Apostle Paul. He's given a life coach lesson here this morning for all of us. So let's try to move toward really applying this. What does it really mean? Paul says, continue on what you've learned. You don't need anything new. You want to stay committed to what is old, and if you do so, these two areas, they're just two, you're going to finish the Christian life well. I think that's huge, huge. And Paul's saying, follow godly examples. God has given you certain examples, follow them. Avoid those negative examples. Just follow those for the rest of your life. You're going to do fine. Follow God's word. You don't need some other word. You need to just follow the Word of God. And the way you follow the Word of God, you, get, you read it. It's, it's not rocket science. You're just in the Bible. Yeah, daily. Daily. Start with a chapter. Why should you read it? Because you'll then become a distributor. You'll have knowledge of it. You'll gain wisdom, salvation, faith, inspiration, righteousness, and you'll be equipped. Here's the game changer challenge, number 12. Here it is. What would happen if you made it your goal? I mean, what's going to happen in your life if you really made it your goal to follow one godly example and read one chapter in the Bible daily? Some of us, it's been a long time since we've really set our eyes on someone who's godly and said, you know what? I need to become like them. And for some of us, it's maybe been a while since we've really been in God's Word on a consistent basis, and we need to adjust our life to those goals. Two things. Follow godly examples, follow the Word of God. Any engineers here? Any of you guys? Retired engineers, engineers currently? Yeah, a few of you. Let me read you a story. Charles Steinmetz was an electrical engineer of towering intellect. And after he retired, he was asked by a major appliance manufacturer to locate a malfunction in their electrical equipment. The machine broke down. 
none of the manufacturer's experts had been able to locate the problem. Well, Steinmetz spent some time walking around and testing the various parts of the machine. Finally, he took out of his pocket a piece of chalk, and he marked an X on a particular part of one machine. The manufacturer's people disassembled the machine, discovering to their amazement that the defect lay precisely where Steinmetz's chalk mark was located. Some days later, the manufacturer received a bill from Steinmetz for $10,000. They protested the amount and asked him if he would itemize it. So he sent back an itemized bill, making one chalk mark, $1. Knowing where to place the chalk mark, $9,999. Watch this. If your machinery is kind of broken down, the Apostle Paul has come to you today and he's put a chalk mark on your life, on your soul, and he said, boom, get a godly example. Boom, make sure you're in the Word of God. That's worth $9,999. How's your life doing? This is the Word of God. This is God's Word to you today. Draw near to godly examples. Draw near to the Word of God. It will not let you down. It'll allow you to finish well. It'll allow your marriage to finish well, your family to finish well, your life to finish well. It's the mark God's given you today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your people. Thank you for how you put chalk marks on our lives and reveal to us truth. And Lord, myself and all of us can grow in this area, this area of advice. And I pray, Lord, that we would hear from you and we would simply follow these very clear directives that we've already known, but Lord, that somehow something would change and we'd go deeper and embrace this at a level that maybe would really kind of put us on back on track. So would you just ask the Lord to give you wisdom to follow what his spirit is revealing to you right now? Just take a moment and just say, Lord, grant me the grace, the strength, the wisdom to apply this to my life. Thanks, Lord, for answering those prayers. And all God people said?